Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. So, Adam, if this 2023 season has taught us anything as Blue Jays fans, is that we are not allowed to feel good for too long. Right? Yeah. As soon as there's a stretch of feeling good. The baseball gods do their best to teach us that is not the way of the Jays in 2023. <laughs> Just like to remind you, you're watching baseball. There's no yeah. There's no crying in baseball. There's no happiness in baseball. There's no crying and there's no happiness. I mean, a 10-4 loss to a team they had to beat last night definitely hurt. Now, when I say had to beat, I just mean in this series. They really need to take three of four, which losing yesterday now means they really need to take three in a row. Lots of teams have been taking three in a row against the Rangers lately, Scott. Come on. It's true. (laughs) The Rangers have not been good lately. So there is hope. And the Blue Jays put their backs against the proverbial wall time and time again. We've seen it. it. It is the one common thread of the 2023 season is that just when you think this team is out of it, they're not. Just when you think that they're going on a run, they are not. They're still in line to win 90 wins. They can go 10 and 8. They hit 90 wins. There's a lot of reasons to still feel confident about this team. The Mariners lost last night. Thank you, Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Drury helping out big time. Former Blue Jay coming up big. But, buddy, I mean, after a 10 and 15 stretch or 10 and 5 stretch over those 15 games of playing weaker teams, they really set themselves up to put a nail in this Texas Rangers coffin. But they showed up without hammers. You know, like <laughs> they showed up without hammers. Wow, put that on a t shirt. We've got all these nails. How do we get them in? I, I just. I can't even panic about this team anymore. It's like every time they make me want to panic, they come up big and I'm going to, I'm going to try and and temper my emotions right now at 144 game in sample size. Yeah. I mean, well, we got lots to get to. Let's, let's get to the mail. We got got a lot of comments and questions that cover all this stuff. So it's a Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm Scott Belford joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. This is the walk off. Just want to give a quick shout out to you. The grounds crew members who continue to help the channel grow, continue to support. Uh, We comb through all your comments and questions every single week. We got, so many that we couldn't even scratch the surface. So again, apologies if you wound up sending us a message and thinking it was a good one and couldn't get it on. Just keep trying. You can do so by reaching out on Twitter at Walk Off Podcast. You can do so on Instagram, the Walk Off Podcast. Our Discord, we comb through that. That is becoming a Patreon exclusive as of October 1st. And of course, we will treat it as such. So if you want to get into the the Discord and then 
you're all aware of the Patreon bump you get if you uh, help support the channel. You get priority when it comes to the mailbag. So you can really force Patreon us folks. to say anything you want. Yes, by giving us four dollars a month. Um, <laughs> here's here's one thing though. I was I, I talked about this on M MLB Mondays yesterday. Is that once we get the Discord as a Patreon exclusive, it will be easier for people to. Uh, nominate topics for shows such as MLB Mondays rather than you and I just making a note of, oh, Mike Trout is up for trade. Cool, right? Uh, yeah. We should talk about that on Monday. Oh, Steven Strasburg apparently isn't getting his retirement bonus. Uh, we should talk about that. You guys can uh, submit it into the channels we will have set up uh, in the Discord, and mm -hmm. you can tell us what you want us to talk about, uh, what you want us to weigh in on. Uh, for stuff exactly. like uh, the MLB Monday show. So, exactly. There you go. Okay. Um, let's start with one from last Friday. We talked about the number nine hitter mm -hmm. and how it's like a pseudo leadoff man, right? And what a great job Kiermeyer's done in that position all year. Phenomenal job. You love it. Love having the the fast guy. When the, the lineup turns over. Um, we hate calling it a pseudo leadoff guy. It's just not very clean. So we put it out to the grounds crew to help us come up with a better term for it. Um, well, Johnny Eaton says, uh, that's what every team is incomplete without. Hey, eh? a gem in the nine hole. It's sort of like an extra leadoff guy. Uh, oh, he says, no, he says, what this... Sorry, I totally misread this, Johnny. He says, this sort of extra leadoff guy talk needs to stop. What it is, is an epic waste of a good bat in the nine hole. There you go, Scott. Tell oh, us how you really interesting feel. take there. Yeah, so we'll dive into that. Uh, Deb suggests setup guy. Okay. And Metal Manic suggests lead up hitter, which I kind of like. You know what? I got a tweet, uh, a DM, and I'm, I was just going through my Twitter DM and I couldn't find it. So for the, if you suggested this, my apologies that I can't put a name to it, but I got a, a suggestion for the speed off hitter. Speed off hitter. Okay. I like that. I yeah. Like that. Kind of fun, That's pretty right? good. That's pretty good. Uh, what do you think about it being an epic waste of a good bat in the nine hole? I don't know. I mean, with this, I guess it would depend on the team. Okay. If we're talking the Atlanta Braves, I would disagree with that statement. Now with the Toronto Blue Jays, where they're constantly trying to find offense of any kind, there's some definite validity to Johnny's comment there, right? Hiding a guy with an OPS that has is above Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s currently in Kevin Kiermeyer. I know fewer games played he's dealt with some injuries and so on and so forth not as many at bats hitting at the 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 bottom of the lineup there's lots of reasons why Kiermaier has a higher OPS than Vladdy uh but uh number one is Vladdy slumping and has all year long so yeah I think that there is uh a real so it holds water the idea that Kevin Kiermaier maybe should be moved up in in the lineup. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess, I don't know. You got to do the calculations on how many at-bats over the course of a season does that cost a guy like Bo, who's now your number three hitter or mm-hmm. or anything like that. I don't know. It's... Would love to hear from the ground crew. What do you folks think? Honestly, honestly, do you think uh, having a guy of the caliber of Kevin Kiermeyer in the nine hole is actually a little bit of a mistake and a, a waste of a bat? All right. Um... It is. I mean, the value it adds is definitely there, right? Like being able to have a dude like Kiermeyer get on base in let's say the third inning leading off and then to turn that line up over and now you got a speedster on first. And you got the top of the order. There is value there as well. Well, if there's one thing this Blue Jays team has proven time and time again, it is that we should trust the analytics. They are bulletproof (laughs) and they are not to be questioned. Yes. Um, I say with all sarcasm in my heart. Just like Luis Rivera's ability to judge whether to send a guy or not. (sighs) Yeah. Um. All right, uh, Michael Meyer on Patreon says, if the Blue Jays make the playoffs... Not that Michael Meyer, by the way, guys. Yeah. No, Friday the 14th version. Yeah, Friday the 14th. Uh, not spooky at all. Or is it the Austin Powers version? Anyways. Either way. One of them. <laughs> um, If the Blue Jays make the playoffs, and I don't know why this is directed at me, Scott, but if the Blue Jays make the playoffs... Adam will shave a Davis stash, dot, 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 please. It, if we're going to do that, you're, you you got to be on board too. So, People just like your big upper lip. I've got this thin <laughs> little lip here. Nobody wants to see a mustache on that, right? Have you ever had a mustache? <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a mustache in my early 20s. I grew a big greasy handlebar mustache. Mm, that, I've never seen uh, pictures of that. So. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll send some along to you. All right, <laughs> offline only, not in the Discord. Offline only, not in the Discord, yeah. All right. Sounds good. Okay, uh, last week we talked about the word deserve. Deserve's got nothing to do with it. Um, I think I attributed that potentially to a Sylvester Stallone movie that my dad may have quoted and told me mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, the grounds crew put in the work. And Maculay on Patreon says, deserves got nothing to do with it. Clint Eastwood, unforgiven. So yes. my, my dad definitely plagiarized that and uh, relayed it to me. So, but Hey, you were, pretty, you were pretty close, though. You were like, it was definitely an old man. An old man <laughs> definitely was who said this. Oh, man. Old white man <laughs> definitely said, deserves got nothing to do with it. <laughs> How fitting in 2023. Okay. I um, loved The Unforgiven, though, by the way. Yeah. Are you a Western fan at all, Adam? Big time, yes. Okay, I love yeah. that. Yeah, Unforgiven yeah. and Tombstone. Those were like mm. 90s gems for yeah. Westerns. Just we beauties. I was going to say, we don't really get any Westerns anymore, but we still do. Every like two or three years, I think there's a good Western. Yeah, maybe not even that much, but... Yellowstone yeah. kind of uh, reinvigorated everyone's love of cowboys a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yellowstone or really old Yellowstone or medium old Yellowstone. Yes. Which of the three is your, put those in order for me. I really liked really old Yellowstone, mm. 1883. I thought it was. I couldn't fantastic. think of the numbers. I, I couldn't think of the numbers, yeah. Scott. 
Yeah, and then medium old Yellowstone, nineteen twenty-three, is okay. I enjoyed it. It's just taking the dude too long to get from Africa back to Montana to fight these dudes off, right? I, know. I want a war and stop, keep interrupting this war with these little, like, anyways, you know how it is. Okay. So what's your rankings? Old one first? Old one first. New one. Okay. Medium. All right. New one. Okay. Old one. I don't think they're making a season two. Mm-mm. Um, and that's fine. It was a cool story. Doesn't need a season yeah. two. It doesn't need um, a season two. Africa Yellowstone needs a season two. If he doesn't yes. get home in season two, I'm yes. gonna lose it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> he's and just maybe, gonna have his own maybe, voyage across the inland for all of season <laughs> two. <laughs> He'll just uh, get there for season three. Season two could save it. By the way, you know, like they have done a lot of job of uh, a good job of ramping up the excitement for it. So speaking of a good mustache, by the way, yes, I can't think of his name. Something Dutton, probably. Yeah. Uh, good mustache coming from Africa. Um, I think that one might be my number one. The early really? seasons of new Yellowstone were great. It's kind of fizzled. Here's my idea. This will not happen, but here's my idea for new Yellowstone. Now that it's like fizzling out and they're kind of like, man, we're out of stuff. Zombie apocalypse. There. I love right? it. What we're always missing with these zombie shows like The Walking Dead is the backstory. Well, we just laid out, <laughs> you know, 15 decades of backstory. So now we care about these characters. So, yes. Yeah. When Beth Dutton turns into a zombie in uh, season seven, that'll that's really everyone, hit home. That's when everyone bails. It'll yeah, be like exactly. when Glenn dies. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> it's been five years, Adam. It's been five years. Okay. We're off the rails. This is perfect. Yes, we uh, have right at the 13 the minute mark. Um, okay. So in Patreon, we currently have three tiers of support. Uh, our third and final tier is the let's watch a Blue Jays game on Zoom together tier. And we commented that we need a better name for that. Well, Deborah, who is a part of that tier, mm-hmm. came up with one. So she says, thinking of names for the third Patreon tier. First is already the all-star tier. Second tier is first ballot hall of fame. Third tier, living legend tier. You guys set the bar pretty high with the first two, LOL. Yeah, I love truly, that we she, really did. We did. Uh, I love that she... Uh, she is nominating her own tier to be living legend, which is I love great. It too. So that's awesome. There you go. Okay. Uh, stick with Patreon here. Uh, Marcus, and this will be our first, probably one that we spend a good chunk of time on here. But Marcus says, I hate to send this for mailbag a day after yesterday's loss, but is this series a must win? IE three out of four against the Rangers. And then he adds some further context and then we'll get into it, Scott. But he says a split on the road is basically mission accomplished for the Rangers as they leave uh, just a game behind in the loss column. And the all the all important tiebreaker, which is to, which is true. If we go two and two, they're up four, three on the season. Uh, and that's that's it. So they'll have the tiebreaker on us. Their schedule is far easier too. Boston is a common opponent. We both play Boston three times. But then Seattle for six, uh, then Cleveland, 
and the Angels. Jays have six versus Tampa and six versus the Yankees. Tampa is better than Seattle. New York is better than Cleveland, LA. I don't know. Just feel like the split just won't cut it for our playoff chances. So how are you feeling? Because I spent way too much time on MLB Mondays yesterday. I spent probably 45 minutes dissecting the magic number, which is like a thing I'm obsessed with in September. Um, All of the ramifications of if we take three out of four, here's what the magic number looks like on the other side. If it's a split, here's what it is. There's what it is. Where do you land on how, how much of a must win is this for you? Listen, Marcus G is pretty much nailing it in my opinion. Okay. Now I will push back a little bit that the Rangers have an easier schedule the the one thing that really keeps rolling through my head is how much this AL West plays each other, right? I mean, Texas and Seattle play each other seven times. Irrelevant of the Jays' opponent at the time. And yes, they are playing some good teams. Yes, this Blue Jays team is going to need to beat some good teams to get into the playoffs. They're not going to be able to do this by winning five of the next 18 games. This team absolutely needs to be above 500. I think a 10 and eight record will get them into the playoffs. It puts them at 90 wins. And I think that that is going to be enough that Seattle, Texas, Houston, eat each other up and just eliminate one of them. There is so much ground that can be made up in those seven games where Texas and Seattle play each other. It's almost 50% of the time that is left in the season. They are playing each other and all the, it doesn't matter as long as the Jays win, it's not keeping pace. They're gaining on one of them. I feel like the division is now the Astros. Yes. I don't, I don't see the Astros losing the division now that they've regained it. The Astros, they're just too much of a good competent team. I I think they've got the division. So that leaves us with the Rangers and the Mariners. That's three teams. You can include Boston if you want. I think they're a little bit too far back now. But the Rangers, the Mariners, the Blue Jays, three teams fighting for two spots. And like you said, they're fighting each other seven times. It's a guaranteed four losses. Yes. Or more for one of them. For one. I don't care who it is, right? We only need one of them to not make the playoffs and we're good. So, and we don't know how it's going to play out. Like those seven games, sure, in your head, you're like, okay, one team takes four, the other team takes three. It could not it could go that way. And I, I think best case team, scenario is a six one or a seven nothing. Absolutely. Let's absolutely. just get, let's just erase one from the face of the earth. And if you haven't been paying attention, I know everyone kept talking about how the Seattle Mariners since the All Star break were on a hotter run. Then the Rays started the season at, which is absolutely mind-blowing because the Rays were just playing up dynamite fire to mm-hmm. start 2023. But the Mariners, if you haven't checked, they have cooled off. Okay, They are not on this unbeatable stretch that they were on. The Texas Rangers, probably not as bad as they've been playing. The Blue Jays were due for a stinker. Let's be serious here. Yeah. Whenever had... the Blue Jays get too high, 
Their it had an, melt. It was an emotional letdown day. It had it. It was a trap game for sure. Um, ultimately, where I come down is like if we go two and two in this series, mm-hmm. we still can. We still control our destiny, and that's the yes. toxic that's positivity. The we come out with one fewer loss than the Rangers have. They have one extra game than us. So we come out of this series, 15 games left in the season, magic number of 15. We control our destiny, even if the Rangers win all of their games the rest of the way. We can also win our all of our games the rest of the way and still be a half game up. So tiebreaker, but damned, we are a half game up. I think a split is... Okay, it will be disappointing, but... And listen, I understand the negativity of some of the folks out there because it does get frustrating to constantly see this swing of emotions back and forth Mm -hmm. with how the Jays are playing. And they've been yo-yoing us constantly as a fan base of will they, won't they? But we're 144 games into this, and I just am kind of like... And maybe this is the positive in me, but... I. The sample size is big enough that I just don't think they're falling out of the playoffs. They've been there all along. Yes, they haven't run away with it. Yes, this has been a disappointing season. Yes, there's a lot of questions, probably more questions than answers when it comes to the coaching staff, when it comes to some of the big players on this team. We were expecting huge stuff out of Kirk, Vladdy, Manoa, all three come to mind. Mm -hmm. But every time this team seems like they might be on the way out, they're not. And I just got to believe that that 144-game sample size is enough, that this is what they are, and they are a playoff team. All right. Um, yeah, I think the significance of them playing each other seven times thats is huge. I'll take that over Yankees and Rays for the last 12. Yankees, by the way, I don't know if you heard, Scott, uh, Jason Dominguez, mm-hmm. Tommy John coming his way. What? Oh, I didn't hear the Tommy oh. John. Well, I don't know. Sorry. It's the UCL injury, but it's a, uh, yeah, he's done. It will require surgery. It might not be Tommy John. It might be that like Bryce Harper. Right. It's John Tommy surgery, but like, yeah. fuck off. It's Tommy John, right? For all intents and purposes. It's like, oh man, I went on such a tangent yesterday about people nitpicking in the comments when we refer to someone as getting DFA'd or put on waivers, but we use those terms interchangeably. It's like, mm-hmm. the fucking point is the team didn't want him anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. you yeah. know, anyways, I'm nitpicking here. I'm, ooh, I'm, anybody that watched MLB Mondays yesterday knows how I really feel and they could see I'm about to spiral. So let's just move on. <laughs> um okay what'll settle my nerves better than a terrible username so at user dash nj9 rufe f2w fuck i hate it already um adam you say john schneider is above average what did he ever do to make you come to that conclusion no argument just genuinely curious uh, Friday, 
we complained about John Schneider. Um, What's hilarious is I'd completely forgot that you said that. I was like, you didn't say that, did you? <laughs> you're yeah. like, I did. During the pre-show, you you actually, yeah, you're like, you said that? Um, I guess it's that, look, we talked about the fact that like he's not an elite manager, but that there isn't many elite managers. And that's like the definition of elite is that they're so good. They're in a class of their own. Um, he's also like in his second season, he's 43 years old. Um, I don't know how many hall of fame and there's this, I could be wrong about this, but I don't know how many hall of fame managers come out guns ablaze and win manager of the year for their first five years to start their career. He's, I mean, learning as he goes, it's, there's growing pains involved. I'm not thrilled with him. Obviously, we question a lot of his decisions, but he also has a career winning percentage of 578 so far. So that was, that was the one thing I was going to bring up if you didn't touch on his win percentage is that he has won a lot of games as a manager. Now he also has a really good team. So like maybe I would have a win percentage of 578 if I was managing this lineup and had all the khakis telling me who to put in and when. Well, Adam, do, do you have it within you to say, yes, Mr. Atkins? Absolutely, Mr. Atkins. Anybody who's what else could I do for you, Mr. Atkins? Knows that I am <laughs> willing to tow the company line when it comes to Mr. Ross Atkins. Um, <laughs> this team isn't dysfunctional. I guess is where I come down on it. Um, it's not the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of Alec Manoa. And I don't think that's a John Schneider thing. And we'll get to that at the end of the episode. Um, everybody seems to be evenly gruntled. There's no disgruntled members of this clubhouse. I think that's pretty good. I mean, to be able that to go actually... to a guy like George Springer, who has been your, your leadoff guy for the extent of his tenure with the team, and to be able to go to him and however you do it, be like, hey, we got to move you down in the lineup. You can't be our leadoff guy right now. Like, you're just not cutting it. That is a delicate thing. I mean, I think he managed his way through that good enough. I, we didn't see any pouting out of George Springer. He's had to do it with other guys. I mean, we can question, did he wait too long to move Vlad down or to move? Why was Varsho hitting in the four hole for the first two months of the season or whatever? But like, I don't know. No conflict. That's what I want to see Listen. from my manager. The only conflict I want to see is between him and the umpire. I wish he got that ejected honest, more, but that's it. That was honestly one thing that stood out to me about baseball town when we were chatting with Davis Schneider and Jay Jackson was how much fun they truly do have in the clubhouse. Davis made a point of bringing it up that the clubhouse is very tight and it is a really good bunch of guys. And one of the things that stood out to me was he's, he was like, you need to be a good person and you need to put others first and then how good of a ball player you are kind of springboards from there. So to hear both Jay and Davis 
complement the chemistry and the vibes of that clubhouse was definitely a positive. And I mean, John Schneider's the captain of that ship. I mean, obviously, it could be a little bit of lip service, so on and so forth. Who's going to come on a podcast and shit talk the chemistry of their clubhouse? But it did come across very genuine, and I do think that this team enjoys each other more than maybe the fan base believes they do. I like it. Uh, I mean, you got 26 millionaire-ish personalities. Um, getting everybody to pull the rope in the same direction is uh, not always an easy task. And just the fact that we haven't had any really ugly things, I think, is a testament to where he's at as a manager. Outside so, of Alec Manoa, which we will talk at the end of the episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. All right. Let's 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 leave it at that. I, I think he's above average. I mean, the win percentage speaks for itself. You could say, yeah, but look how good this team is on paper. Even a blind monkey could do it. Okay, but, well, the Yankees are pretty fucking good on paper. Uh, have you heard of the New York Mets? They're pretty good on paper. Uh, I don't know Where what to say. Where are the Padres, for that matter? There are a lot of teams that uh, have a big budget and are really good on paper that, I mean, as much as we've been disappointed, I think that's... Now, there is a, definitely an argument to be made that John Schneider is a good manager, not a great manager, and that maybe that... And and, and it's like you said off the top, Adam, right? With with the status of elite, right? It, it He's not the upper echelon of managers. Not yet, anyways. Experience goes a yes. long way. And honestly, we'll see what happens. There has been some moments throughout the season where I've noticed, personally, I felt like John Schneider has made big mistakes. And then seen very similar situations arise and him treat them differently, which there's something to be said for that, right? A guy who's willing to take a look at maybe perceived mistakes and change his strategy. If it looks like that was the wrong decision made. Here's one thing I'll say uh, last week. Horrific. Bunt usage. Oh my God. Uh, this week we saw another bunt scored a run with it from Espinal. I think it was Varsho that scored from first. Might have been David Schneider. Yeah, he heard he. I mean, you hear about it. You hear in the in the Twitter sphere or on the radio or whatever. John Schneider, why are we fucking having this guy bunt in this situation? Are you kidding me? Love it or hate it. A guy that hears that and is still willing to do something that he knows if in, it goes in back, his, if it yeah, fires, he's going to hear about it. To yeah. have faith in your guys that like, hey, this is the right thing to do in this situation. Don't fucking burn me here, but I got faith in you, you know, and it, and it works out. It's tough, man, to go back to that well so recently after just getting burned and to not manage scared, I guess is mm -hmm. the best way to put it. And I think that's the most charitable interpretation of the bunting, but just as a one off anecdotal example of, of uh, a feather in John Schneider's cap. That's one thing I'll point to in recent memory is that I don't want him pitch or managing scared. I don't want, 
pitchers pitching scared, you know, you plunk a guy, you still got to be go, able to throw high inside uh, and and not be scared. So that's Josh Schneider, not that said, bad. By the way, if the Jays don't make the playoffs, I strongly believe John's out. And... Well, I think we should literally murder him. Yes. Figuratively speaking. Yeah, figuratively. Literally, figuratively. We should literally, figuratively do it. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get on to the next one here. Greg Kennedy says, "My hot take for the week: I would move Varsho this off season. I like him, but I just don't think he can hit. Can't afford to have him in the lineup. Corner outfielders have to be able to hit. Just call the trade a bust and move on. I'd move Kirk and Espinal for sure. Also, conversely." I think Biggio has earned the opportunity to play more next season. His versatility as a corner outfielder and infielder plays well. Also, not ready to trade Vladdy. See how he does next year, but we'll definitely not move forward with him long term. They must focus on signing Bo to a long term deal. Lot to unpack there, Scott. A lot to unpack there, and, and it's a well thought out take. It is hot. Um, Dalton Varsho. Can he hit? That really is the big question here, Adam, with Varsho, because he sure does everything else really, really well. The defensive side of the game, we don't even need to bring it up. We're well aware he is so far above average. He's one of the top outfielders in all of baseball. His defensive run saves show that. He is really intelligent with being able to pick his spots when he uses that little drag bunt up the first baseline against lefties. He's really the only dude on this team that is proficient with a bat when it comes to asking him to bunt. You just you you feel confident he's going to get it down. Something that I can't say for anyone else on this team, even though Espy did a great job last time he was asked to do it. It really depends, in my opinion, on what happens with this center field position. Is Dalton Varsho the center fielder moving forward? Are they going to bring back Kevin Kiermeyer? I I don't like the idea of just scrubbing this as a complete bust of a trade and moving on. And Dalton Varsho at 26 years old gets moved somewhere for less value than what we paid for him and then exceeds expectations with the next team. I, I do think there's more in Varsho's tank. And I, I could be completely out to lunch on this. Just you look at his his power numbers from last year in comparison to this year, and they were just so much better. And I really do think he can refine what he was doing in Arizona. I'm not ready to move on from our show. I would love to hear what the grounds crew feels. Who do you see playing center field next year? Are they going to go back up and, and offer Kiermaier two years, 25 million, something like that? Is Kiermaier going to, now that he's, taken this prove it deal for one year with the Jays. Is he after a three-year deal at 34 years old? I, there are some decisions to be made. And listen, when you look at this Blue Jays team that is is free agents this year, right? You got Brandon Belt, 35 years old. He might even retire. I know that he said on a podcast recently that, that this is something he's considering. You got Kevin Kiermeyer. He's 33 turning 34. What is his term going to look like? Is he after a three-year deal? Who's out there 
that would like Kiermaier and is Kiermaier dead set on winning or is he dead set on three to four years more of getting paid regularly? I don't know. You look at Whit Merrifield, same situation. He's been excellent this year. He's definitely regressed in the last six weeks. He's, I think his weighted runs created plus, I think he's like sitting at plus 101, like right at average. I don't think they're going to take the mutual option of $18 million. I don't think the Jays are into that. Do they try and sign him back up? I don't think so. I, I honestly believe that when it comes to belt and some of these other guys that are aging out, they might not be interested in. Personally, I think going to Kiermaier and trying to get him back for a couple of years is not a bad move at all. And that does make our show a little bit more uh, expendable. If if that is a direction you wish to go. Where are this you, Adam? This is crazy, like, Scott. This is crazy we're even having this conversation. Yeah. I, I think Varsho... He's not I going mean, anywhere. Varsho's a J for the next three years, right? There's no way they're moving him. He has three years of arbitration left. Yeah. He's... How many years old? 20... Just turned 27. He's, like, coming right into his prime. Entering the prime. Yeah. <sighs> I like Even, that Greg said look, too. I like I, I like my he's like I like him. Like I I you know. Greg's like even, I like him. Even He's not bad as a hitter. Like he's not. I mean what is he, fourth on the team in home runs with a 220 batting average? Uh. But he's sure below average when you start looking at his weighted runs created plus and his OPS plus. Yeah, but we don't look. You're like, yeah, but we don't look at those. We numbers. don't look at made up stats, <laughs> Scott. No. Um, <laughs> I okay, sure. Everything aside, never mind the offensive output and the just from a the only the only way he gets moved is if Atkins is gone. If we bring in a, a new guy or James Click or Lemony Snicket or whoever, and they're like, new vision for the team. We're yeah. going with Kyle Schwarber in left field. Right? Okay. That's the only the only way. Like, I don't there's no combination of moving anyone, whether it's Whit Merrifield or bringing back Kiermaier or moving on from this guy or that guy. Heck, Go re-sign Lourdes Gurriel, who's going to be a free agent. Mm -hmm. There's no combination in which Dalton Varsho isn't 140 games in the Blue Jays next year. Like he's my my biggest problem with this comment, and although there's there definitely a thread of truth and sanity to it, uh, you're sure moving these assets at their lowest value, right? Moving on from Kirk, moving on from Espinal, moving on from Varsho. All three of these dudes have had down years in 2023. And you're just, you're just not going to get, and maybe you, maybe you'll never get the value out of them. Maybe this is who they are. And if that's the case, that's the case. However, we have seen glimpses of all three of these guys at their best. And 
I just can't see Atkins accepting that he's wrong and moving on from Varsho this this quickly. Yeah, I mean... I'm with Greg years, on not ready to move Vladdy. Three years of controls, just so much. Yeah. So much time. Um, I mean, he's one off-season adjustment away from being a 30-home-run, 250-hitter, and, and all the defense is still there, and now we're laughing, right? Um, Biggio... Any chance? Has played really yeah, good Biggio. defense lately. Yeah. Yes, he has. My we, goodness, I, he has impressed me at third look, base, Adam. Look, we, yeah, at third base, no shit. Uh, used to look at Biggio and go, I mean, talk about being a John Schneider apologist. You, you, you know, I used to look at Biggio and go, well, he's not a good third baseman, but he's not the worst. And the fact that he can even play it is good enough, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just that he can be the third string for every position was enough. Now I'm watching him play third base and it's like, oh, he's actually, he's good at third he base. He has been good. Yeah. So kudos to Gavabigio, who I think has had a really good season for himself this year, Honestly, defensively huge, and offensively. Huge kudos to Biggio for a few reasons. You know, he has put in the time and effort to improve at these positions and you know how well he has done when some of his haters are literally reaching out and being like, you know what? I've never been a Biggio guy, but my goodness, has he ever played himself into that utility role that everyone envisioned him in? And he really has, man, his ability to play those corner outfields positions and do it at an average level, like his ability to make us not miss Matt Chapman's defense. Like think about that for a minute. Think about the fact that the whole reason this team went out and got Matt Chapman was to shore up the hot corner because of Kevin Biggio. Um, It's impressive. Hypothetically next season, we let Matt Chapman walk. If the plan was to have Kevin Biggio replace Matt Chapman at third base, how much or how little do you puke in your mouth at that idea? It would really depend on what else is done. I don't like the idea of Kevin Biggio being the everyday third baseman. Bottom line. From an offensive standpoint or defensive? Uh, both. Now... I know that that may contradict everything I just said, touting how great Biggio has been this season. Listen, I really do think that he is that utility guy. I think he's a dude that if he's playing more than 120, 130 games in a season, it is going to expose him. I like the idea of him playing 40 games at the hot corner. He's a dude who can do it. I don't like the idea of him playing 140 games at the hot corner. Fair. Fair, Scott. That's fair. Um, you? Yeah, he, he Where are you exposed. at? Could you... I mean, yeah, it depends on everything else, obviously. Yes. Um. But like, by the way, for those of you out there being like, "Well, we can't do that." This is not that impossible of a scenario, because if you look at the third base market currently in the free agent market in 2024, ooh, it is thin. Matt Chapman 
Chapman alone is going to get four to five years and probably close to 100 to $150 million. He is going to be substantially overpaid for what he brings to the table. Nothing against Matt Chapman. He's going to be a vacuum at the hot corner. He's going to hit some home runs, and he's probably going to disappoint you nonstop at the plate. Offensively. So Kevin Biggio has played 94 games this year. He has nine home runs, 227 batting average, uh, OPS of 714. Matt Chapman, if we look at his last 95 games, nine home runs, 211 batting average, OPS 663. Offensively, it's not a downgrade. No, it's not. Which is kind of crazy. Um, defensively, yeah. I mean, Kevin Biggio, whether he's good at that third base or not, he's not a, a gold glover. Um, so if you're, I don't know. I'm so back and forth. I don't, I'd still be okay. If the, I know a lot of people are like willing to just say, Hey, thanks for the, the two years so long. And thanks for all the fish to Matt Chapman. But I'd be okay if we bought, if we brought him back, as long as we didn't totally break the bank on it. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea what kind of a contract he's going to take, though. If he wants to do a one-year rebuild his value, hope that he can come in. I don't know what happened. April was so good. I don't know how that just disappeared. But anyways, I don't know what he's what it's going to take to sign him. But I'd be okay with Matt Chapman again. I'm not a Matt Chapman hater. No. Um. Okay. Vladdy. Blue Jay again next year? Yeah. I would say so. I mean, I know that John Morosi came out and said that there was a 50% chance that he gets moved in this offseason, which was eye-opening to me, especially considering Morosi does have quite a bit of credibility within the blue or within the uh, baseball MLB. world. I just... I mean, who knows? Maybe there are organizations out there that will pay a premium for him. It just feels like what we just talked about with Kirk and Espinal and Varsho, right? Is like you really are moving on from a guy whose value is probably at the lowest it's been his entire career. Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> for what we would get back, it's not going to be anybody, even if it's good prospects, they're going to be good prospects yeah. who aren't going to help us for three or four years. Um, one or two at best, but they're not helping us right away. So by moving on from him, we're really full blown kind of, rebuild mode yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, unless it's an interesting trade where you're trading, let's say a two years of Vlad for one year of Pete Alonso and. You know, like there are scenarios yeah. where maybe a, a Juan Soto, you know, like there's interesting creative trades out there that maybe could happen. And you could see a down, uh, a guy who had a down year traded for Vladdy, who, who also had a down year and see what happens there. There's the whole change of scenery type of argument, but I can't have, see it. We have what, two more years of Vladdy after this to yes. evaluate him. See, I would rather re-roll the dice both of those years on Vladdy, hope that he refines it, 
not give him a big payday in the meantime, and then risk him having an MVP season hitting 75 home runs in his walk year, and now we're in a bidding war with the whole league. I'd rather that and risk losing him and maybe have a World Series or a deep playoff run to show for it rather than cut our losses now and try to salvage what while he's at his yeah. lowest. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mike Trout, I talked about this yesterday on MLB Mondays. Uh, Mike Trout wants the trade. I won't, I won't spend the, the whole time on it. If you're a Patreon, go back and listen to yesterday's MLB Mondays if you want to hear the whole thing. Mike Trout, imagine him calling up his buddy Shohei Otani being like, hey, don't go to the Dodgers who have enough money for you and nothing else. Go to the Orioles. And then I will request a trade to the Orioles. And now we're going to get to see some playoff baseball together. Hey, imagine that. (laughs) Imagine that. The Orioles have the prospect capital. To trade for a Mike Trout. They do. They only have $99 million on the books. They gave 60 ish to Shohei Otani or 50 now that he's injured or whatever. They trade two of their top 10 prospects to the Angels for Mike Trout. And they say, hey, you got to pay like $10 million of his salary or something. I don't know, man. That's... I mean, Mike Trout three years ago signed the richest contract in baseball history at $444 million. I'm not sure how much is still owed on that. Uh, Seven years, 280 million, 250. Okay. Is that all that's left? Seven years. Yeah. 35 mil per season. Okay. Mike Trout is what? 31 years old. I don't remember that detail. I can look, you keep talking. I'll look it up. Not only is his age a red flag, but the fact that, that his back has been declared a he's got to play through it scenario. There's no fix. So he's just going to be dealing with pain. And as we all know, as you get older as an athlete, that pain goes away and it's easier to play through things like that. Yes. Baltimore's owner also has already come out and throw in cold water on the idea of even keeping the team they have right now together. He's like, <laughs> He said, we can't afford, we'll have to triple ticket prices is what he said. If we'd like to keep any of these guys, which yeah, what a what a, like, oh my God. So as much as I love what you're saying. No, uh, I love what I you're just, saying. I was, I was worried about it. I was, I was, I was panicking on having yeah. three years of Shohei, Trout, Rushman, Gunnar Henderson. Yeah. Ugh, gross. So no, I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. Thank you. This is yeah. This is great. No, the Baltimore's too cheap. I can't see them doing anything like that. But you know what? Mike Trout is a generational talent. There is still some left in the tank, I think, and maybe we could see somebody take a flyer on him. My problem with Mike Trout is his injury problems and the fact that his whole career is marred with the fact he can't stay on the field. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he plays half of every year like well lately that's certainly the case and uh will probably be the case moving forward i guess unless he moves into like a full-time dh role yeah you can't have him and shohei on the same team then can you that's right okay uh last one here and then we'll explode all over the alec manoa situation but cheryl fullerton says uh fun evening of she tweeted 
says, a fun evening of baseball talk after the Blue Jays sweep. Jay Jackson, David Schneider joined the walk-off podcast. Craig Ballard, uh, who hosted a great Blue Jays panel that included one of my favorite baseball journalists, Julia Cruz, and the rest of the panel was great too. Johnny G, Blake Murphy, and Baseball Jen. Yeah, yeah time in Toronto. It was really, it was job, really nice to meet. Yeah, it was it was awesome, dude. And I can't wait to go back in the spring and do it with you. Like, and ever by the way, man, so many people came up to me and said to say, you know, tell Adam we missed him. So, and when I say so many people, I literally mean like a dozen or so. So, uh, you what were missed, buddy. Of my heart. It was uh, it was an incredible night. I think we really laid some groundwork to do this again, bigger and better. Good, good. good. Uh, we had almost eighty people come out, which was awesome. You know, fantastic. Comedy Bar was thrilled that we put so many people, Blue Jays fans, (laughs) in their seats on a Sunday night. So that was great. And honestly, dude, Jay Jackson and Davis Schneider, the amount of time they gave was Mm -hmm. so cool. Like, you know, they showed up at around 645. So we had them on from 7 till 8. And then they stuck around for like half an hour taking pictures, signing autographs. It was was really awesome. Phenomenal. I love hearing that stuff. Okay, uh, last one here, and if you sent us a message and you're like, why aren't they crediting it to me? It's because 400 people <laughs> also sent us the same message, yes. the gist of which is uh, didn't like Adam's hot take on Alec Manoa having pitched his last game for the Blue Jays last week. Uh, what the fuck's going on with Alec Manoa? So, Scott, set the table. I know you did a lot of work on this. Um I'm very uncomfortable with this whole situation. Let's start with a disclaimer here, okay? Because I do wish to make it very clear, and I feel this very strongly. There are two sides to every story. I also wish to state baseball ownership has a long track record, regardless of team, of when things get fishy and things get dicey on an organization to turn the public against the players. We don't need to give examples of this. If you've watched baseball for even two years, I think you are thinking of examples right now. People also love how an athlete can be really fiery and really confident when they win and see it as a negative when they are struggling. I just wanted to bring all of these things up before we get into this, because I know that this is going to, um, it's going to be messy. So to start with Blair and Barker, which I do wish to state Rogers owned media. Now, before we even dig into what they said, this is Chinese propaganda. is what you're saying. They own the radio no, waves. Wh- what I'm saying is the timing of this coming out is really, really curious for an organization that has managed to keep the Alec Manoa news stories and speculation to a minimum during this stint. But yesterday it came out that... Basically, he failed to report to AAA Buffalo because he was upset that he was demoted due to performance reasons. It was then also stated by Ben Wagner 
radio play-by-play for Rogers Communications and guest on Blair and Barker that, yeah, he took a AAA spot while the pitching staff with Buffalo was taxed, which is why he was moved to the inactive list because while he was kind of throwing his little temper tantrum, they needed to fill the 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 pitching depth. The other thing that stood out, he hasn't pitched since his demotion. And Ben Wagner came out and said, forget about anything. He hasn't thrown a bullpen. He hasn't thrown a side session. He has shut himself down. Sorry, let me just jump in here, Scott. For anybody who's curious uh, to hear it themselves, not that you're not doing a wonderful job recapping, but it is on yesterday's episode of the Blair and Barker podcast. If you skip ahead, so they release their episodes in two parts, first hour, second hour. It's in the second hour. Uh, the series of the season, the episode is titled. And if you skip ahead to 26 minutes and 51 seconds, that's where the Alec Manoa talk starts. It's about a five minute clip. Go listen to it for yourself. But yes, you're doing a great job explaining it, but continue. Now, there is obviously more to this as well. By the way, friend of the show, Andrew Stoughton wrote an incredible article about this, kind of playing off what Blair and Barker said uh, on his newsletter, The Bat Flip. Subscribe. Help help Andrew out. He's a great dude, uh, really great baseball mind. But one of the things that he brought up was service time. And obviously, if he had played the whole year, he was eligible for arbitration a year early, which does translate into big time money, right? So if he has four years of arbitration instead of three years, picture it this way. Had he pitched to, let's say, a four ERA and was a mid-range three, four starter, he probably automatically gets bumped up to $3 million a year next season. Now, he's not even arbitration eligible, so he's still making... Um, he's still making 800,000 league, league minimum, just a little bit over it. Cause he got his little raise there, but I think it's like 150 or sorry, $850,000, something in that range. So already you're seeing there's like a, a $2.3 million difference, but as to what he would get in arbitration. So now, even if this goes this way and he's arbitration eligible in 2025. So then let's say he gets his 2.5 million. Now, if he was going into his second year arbitration and had even just kept pace with a a four ERA, which is possible, Mm -hmm. he would go from two and a half million to probably a lot closer to six or seven. And then his next year of arbitration, even as high as 12 or 15. So by the end, he literally could go the way Andrew did the math was $21 million compared to about 35 is what it breaks down to. That's a lot of money. And I guarantee this is where the pushback from Alec Manoa's camp is coming from is they feel his, his, his service time is being manipulated by the blue Jays unfairly, which I mean, is ridiculous. This is where Alec Manoa has to take some responsibility for the year that he has put up, right? Because you look at his numbers, it's not like the Blue Jays made this decision hastily. He had 19 starts and pitched to an above 5 ERA 
in this time while Hinjin Ryu came back from Tommy John surgery and looked like a stud. You, you go over Ryu's numbers, he's still got an ERA below three, even though he's going yeah. out there and only pitching five innings. Two six five ERA from Ryu. Mm-hmm. I mean, a whip of one oh five nine. It's it's great. And so I think where the pushback was is that when they called him back up, Alec Manoa was was better than when they sent him down to begin with. He was. Mm-hmm. I think his numbers are still uh, a high four ERA. And if you're just going to break down the numbers, he was the obvious choice to be sent down. Yeah. And we don't know. This is where going back to the disclaimer, there's two sides to every story. We don't know what Alec Manoa was told by this organization. Adam and I have talked about this for months now. I strongly believe, and I don't know the ins and outs, but I do strongly believe that Alec Manoa's been mismanaged this season. Again, it's on the player, though, to be responsible for their performance, and Alec Manoa's performance has lacked the entire 2023 season. Was conditioning a factor? I don't know. Is pitch clock a factor? I don't know. There were a lot of things that happened this year that still have question marks surrounding Alec Manoa. The things that I am disappointed in, though, is Alec Manoa, at 25 years old, has really let his teammates down in multiple levels, in my opinion. You watched Yusei Kikuchi last year struggle more than he had his entire career. After the Blue Jays went out and showed confidence that that he could be that guy that he's being right now. Three years, $36 million is nothing to sneeze at. While he struggled, he literally came out in the media and said, I will do whatever it takes. He even had the option to say no to a demotion to AAA and said he would take it if the team felt that was the road best travel for the team. Alec Manoa has done none of that. Different scenario, I know, but there is something to be said for the guy who is willing to do what it takes. Listen, Jay Jackson was at Baseball Town on Sunday And he secretly knew he was literally going to Buffalo while he came down and was so generous with his time with us. Like I was talking to him after and he's like, because I offered him some beer and he's like, man, normally I would, but I got to get up early tomorrow. I'm like, why do you got to get up early tomorrow? He's like, I'm going to Buffalo. I know different scenario, okay? 35-year-old veteran who's been fighting his whole career to get into the major leagues versus 25-year-old who finished third in Cy Young voting last year. But I think that there is some ego problems with Alec Manoa going on currently, and I I think that there is some real mistrust between the organization and Manoa's camp. Where does this play out from here? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Adam and his Super hot take from last week of he won't play another game in a Toronto Blue Jays jersey. All of a sudden, sure doesn't feel like a very hot take. Oh, I mean, just reading the tea leaves here, Scott. I mean, 
it, it was a smelly, fishy story they were feeding to us through Twitter this whole time. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I will say, you and I know off the record, but we're putting it on the record now. I won't name names. Obviously, we have a pretty deep catalog of some pretty inside knowledge, inside knowledge. Now, I'm not here to say I'm sharing inside knowledge. That's not what this is. But we've reached out to hundreds of people throughout the Blue Jays organization, both on the players side, the support staff side, the front office side, high performance, mental performance. We've been blessed to have loads of people on the show. We've also been blessed with, I mean, Shapiro came on the show. Mm -hmm. We got lambasted for not holding his feet to the fire about the current losing skid they were on, but I digress. We did also have a few different people within the organization reach out to us and indicate that the walk-off podcast may be in the rotation of what gets listened to among some of these people. There's a non-zero chance that when I pointed out the fact that Alec Manoa might have played his last game on Toronto in Toronto, maybe they were like, oh, we better get out in front of this. <laughs> I'm just saying, I know there's been countless times where you and I have talked about something and then, interestingly, two days later, Blair and Barker yes. talking about that same thing that we thought was a crazy thing. It felt like they were really trying to keep it under wraps. Yes. And now suddenly, what's changed? I don't know. But now they're, the narrative is changing. And I'm, I'm kind of winking Which, and, and joking when I say... Uh, yes, of I've course. uncovered the conspiracy here. I'm not, yes. uh, I'm not Aaron Brockovich. Uh, ooh, that's an old reference. Um, but there, there definitely has been a tone in what is being presented now. And like you said, there's two sides to every story. Um, and it is interesting timing that in the biggest series of the year for the Toronto Blue Jays, all of a sudden Alec Manoa being a problem is coming out. It's not good. I mean, this is supposed to be no distraction season. So it does make you wonder even more. So uh, um, like you said, it is all state owned media propaganda, like Ben Wagner, friend of the show. I'm not trying to like throw anybody under the bus, no. but they're, and they are like genuinely, I think for the most part, pretty good independent journalists and all that stuff. Right. Truly. Um, Truly. But there is a little bit of a like, hey, don't talk about that. I'm sure there has to be like, hey, for the goodness, for the best interest of the team, can we all just agree to like not address the elephant in the room? And something has changed where now they're like, oh, fuck, we got to address this elephant in the room. I don't think it's good. I man, it was frustrating because I did that hot take. And then over the weekend, I watched loads of people posting that Alec Manoa, he's in such a good mood. He's at the facility. He's at the stadium in Buffalo. He's doing autographs. He's taking pictures with the kids. He seems like he's in such great spirits. And then I was like, oh, okay, good. My hot take was totally ludicrous. And uh, I spent 
half of MLB Mondays backpedaling on that, saying, hey, I was wrong. Things are fine. He's just, you know, not pitching. Like, I, I was totally convinced that things were peachy. And then now it's just like, oh, what a gut punch, because it feels like I'm locked like, in. Like, this I, is all speculation. I, like you said, so what I'm about $21 to say, million dollars apart. Yeah. Like, what I'm going to say is total speculation, but I really do think that ownership is upset with Alec Manoa, and that is where this is stemming from. I think that it would have been very, very easy for them to have just said, we're shutting him down, and it's a um, it's a health thing or a wear and tear thing, and we're going to let him recover 100%. I think it would have been easy to float that out there rather than making it a baseball wide story that everyone around the league is talking about. Ooh, even John boy stuff is like, yeah, John boy's all over oh. it. So not only is he not injured, but he's not being paid as a, a major leaguer currently, which is probably another thing that Alec is upset about, right? This Every is time you get step. sent down, they should have just paid him and it would have been less of a story. Yeah, I I really I really am I'm disappointed in Alec Manoa and the way that this has gone down. I'm disappointed in the front office, Ross Atkins. There is plenty of blame to go around in this. We talk okay. We talked when Alec Manoa first got sent down. That you and I were both like, for the most part, believers in Ross Atkins, but that how the Alec Manoa situation could like make or break our views on him as, as a, would you still feel that way? Do you feel like this is a black, like even if Alec Manoa is at fault here to whatever extent, do you feel like this has been mismanaged by Ross Atkins or, or where are you at? How are you feeling about that? I do. Want to backpedal? Yeah. I do. I do okay. feel it's been mismanaged. I think that I, and I'm guessing, okay? I'm guessing, but it did feel like when they brought him back up, they rushed him. It did feel like they needed innings at the time. Um, I, I I do think that that Detroit game was the Like, if there was a time to rush him and bring him back, that was probably the game to do it. But when they first sent him down, Adam, you and I were, we were so convinced we wouldn't see him till September. Mm -hmm. We were so convinced that they were going to build him up through the system, let him let him reevaluate his mechanics, his conditioning, let mm -hmm. him work on getting things right and doing it the right way. And if that winds up taking as long as it did Roy Halladay, which was I forget exactly what it was, but mm -hmm. over a hundred innings in the minor leagues to get back, that that would be the route that this team took takes. And and they didn't. And I don't. Again, we don't know the details, but man, I can understand why Alec Manoa was upset because I guarantee that he was told all along, you're our guy still. Don't worry about it, Alec. You get right, and we'll make sure you're on this team at the end of the year. And I don't think... Ryu, how do, you, how do you pick Manoa over Ryu with what Ryu's doing right now? You don't. Not when you're a contending yeah. team. I really I mean, I really want to 
just point the finger at Ross Atkins because that was the when he got sent down that was the opinion and I felt very strongly about it that how he navigates this is going to be my last straw on the either side of the evenly balanced scale because I was really on the fence and obviously this has gone horribly I think if you told me back in June when he got sent down that hey by September Alec Manoa is going to be refusing to throw a ball and whatever I'd be like oh fire Ross Atkins now like let's yeah let's fire him now but I think it's an impossible situation like I totally see where Alec Manoa is coming from like he feels like he's been wronged I don't know if that's fair or not but how you feel is how you feel the 21 million dollar thing is like it sure fucking sucks for him so like i get where he'd be frustrated but also nobody hypnotized him this spring and said hey for the next six months you're gonna pitch like a turkey you know like the performance wasn't there he did it to himself um and i i just i don't I don't feel comfortable totally hanging this on Ross Atkins because it's like before he was called up, we had guys like Chris Bassett who were coming out and being like this four man rotations bullshit. Like we can't, this is not sustainable. I have to, I have to assume Ross Atkins made calls for trades and that there wasn't anything feasible we could do. I have to assume that. I have to assume I mean, the first choice wasn't just let's just bring Manoa back up before he's ready. That if that's the case, that's absurd. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they they gave Alec Manoa rope. Listen, he had 19 starts at the major league level, all the time in the world to show something. He had a 5.87 ERA, 8.14 Ks per nine, so his strikeouts weren't bad, but his walks were over six per nine which was literally his Achilles heel this season. And the fact he was giving up so many more home runs than he has over the last year and a half of his big league career. So for Alec Manoa to look at those numbers and go, this is on the organization. I mean, there's a little bit of arrogance and ego involved in that. I'm not saying he did show up to camp 30 pounds overweight but the fact that that is even something that is being floated around is wild all of the machismo that he was showing throughout the last year and and calling out Garrett Cole and you know striking out I forget who it was and then getting in that yelling match where he told a guy to go go sit down you bitch or whatever Mm -hmm. you know like There's that hubris and confidence that you love to see when a guy is doing well, but boy, does it ever look bad when he's not. And I personally, I think Alec Manoa needs to take some personal responsibility here. And hopefully he gets right. Is this safe with the Blue Jays? Listen, there are millions of examples of players who have had run-ins with front offices and have managed to bury the hatchet. 
Is this something that could happen again? Yeah, I, I don't think that this is necessarily a done deal. I do think Alec Manoa enjoyed his time as Toronto Blue Jay when he was at the top of his game. And I think that he needs to take a step back and realize that this is probably just as frustrating for a lot of these coaching staff, a lot of the high performance and mental performance people who have spent, I, I guarantee, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours on this one man. So like I, I I would be frustrated too if if I'm a if I'm a member of the mental performance department and spending so much time with Alec Manoa and then just him to just ignore the numbers and be like you guys are trying to screw me out of money and again this is a little bit speculation too obviously we don't know the two sides we don't know what was said by the Blue Jays we don't know what was said by Alec Manoa but it is weird that all of a sudden this sealed lips of Rogers Media about Alec Manoa. September 12th is now leaking stuff. It definitely doesn't allow for a trade. It just looks bad. What's what bad. organization would like to go out there and, you know, it's one thing to go out there if Alec Manoa had kept his, you know, had reported and done everything that they wanted him to do, but it just looks like he's a problem. Whether he is or not, that is the perception Rogers has chosen to put out there. Yeah, but problems still get big contracts. I uh, Tough to argue that. Trevor Bowers pitching in Japan, sitting on eighty million dollars from. Yep. Um, he was he was a problem before he was a problem. So he was a problem before he was a problem. Oh man, I have nothing else to add on Alec Manoa. Yeah, it's sure either. upsetting we'll though. Uh, I'm bummed out about this whole thing. I mean, still love Alec Manoa. I really do hope that he gets it together and finds it. Man, I I I. I'm out of words. I just, I, I'd love to hear what you folks, the grounds crew think. Where are you at on Alec Manoa? You know, it's that the fiery emotional side that we all fell in love with, hmm. right? It's that fiery personality, but sometimes when you play with fire, you get burned. And this is the flip side of that, right? Is that like when it goes right, boy, does it ever go right? And then... Sometimes it's ugly, and hopefully the ugly stretch doesn't last forever, Scott. But has he played his last game in Toronto? Yes or no? What do you think? I'm going yes. I'm going to say no. In fact, hope you're right. I'm I almost, really hope you're I'm, right. I'm almost of the mindset that the Jays will let him sit. If he doesn't wish to play, I don't think they're going to move him. I don't think he can force a trade. Oh, I don't think you can force a trade either, but oh, I don't like that idea either. Oh, this I, this oh, is like literally a... worst case scenario. But oh, I, I mean, see... I guess the good news from that standpoint is he's not under contract. Like he's not, he didn't sign a $20 million 10 year contract where we're like, oh, we're going to pay him to sit in AAA and sign autographs and watch games. That doesn't feel good. So I guess... 
I mean, Damn. truly, the best thing Alec Manoa can do is if he actually wants out of Toronto is play ball. Hit is 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 hit the gym. Come in oh. as in the best shape of your entire life. Shove it down Ross Atkins and the front office's throat, and then come midway of the season after proving your back, demand a trade, and then it, it'll probably happen. But you can't demand a trade right now when you have almost zero value and just look like a problem in the clubhouse. Even if you're not, that is definitely the perception that is coming out from the Rogers media currently. Um, there was some disgruntling going on with Boba Shett. They quote unquote did right by him, bought out his Arbiers. Yep. That went a long way to soothing hard feelings. Is that a potential scenario here with Alec Manoa? Do you think I mean he's pre arb right now, like what is it, four years of arbitration? It's kind of murky how, how this all plays out with the, the service time. I know. Sorry. So I don't want to quell too much on the details. But if the front office was like, hey, here's a good chunk of change and a four-year contract. We're going to buy out your RBRs at a reasonable rate just so that the whole, like, you guys did this on purpose to me to save money and to rip me off of $20 million. If they're like, fucking take your $20 million, then here you go. You're going to get your $2 million this year. You're going to get your $6 million. You're going to get your fifteen, and your whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Here's your money. Just fucking chill. Is that a good idea or nope. a bad idea? I don't think there's any way. I don't think yeah. it's even possible. I think okay. that Rodgers has a formula for what they're going to give players. I think that they're very... Uh, they're all about due diligence. And I don't think they're going to pay a penny more for a player than they feel he deserves unless that they're laying groundwork for the future. Boba Shett made all the sense in the world, especially after we're watching the season he's having. $11 million has been a steal for the man. And it made him happy. So in that case, but why would you do that to a guy who's been disgruntled and has not Handled put up poorly. the numbers? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It's uh it's uh it's very true. Uh hard to give out a big contract to a guy with a bunch of red flags. And as much as I still like Alec Manoa, that's what they are. Gotta call it what I see it. Yep. Uh was great, arguably elite. Red flag number one did not perform this year. Blame it on conditioning or whatever it was, or the overuse, it's still concerning concerning enough on its own even if the personality and the attitude was like super team player you're still like oh i don't really want to give this guy a big contract right now but then you add to that first red flag the other checkered red flag of like difficult difficult is not a uh, personality trait that lends to people liking you and wanting to accommodate you so, just lesson out Marcus there for Stroman. all the kids. All right, yeah, gang. that's a great we'll example. End, we'll end it on that. Thank you so much to the grounds crew. Feel free to drop your comments here on what you think is going on with Alec Manoa, and if it's possible, we don't see Alec Manoa in a Blue Jays jersey again come twenty twenty four. Thank you so much for all the comments and questions to the Patreon. A very big tip of the hat your way. We really do appreciate the financial support 
of the channel. It is excellent. And to all of you who support us regularly by watching and hitting the like button and subscribing, we really appreciate you as well. Uh, to everyone who came out to Baseball Town, thank you so very, very much. It was awesome to meet so many uh, fans of the podcast and and fans of, of the Blue Jays. So again, all the best, everybody. Thank you so much. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>